This is Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm Umbreen Khan. In early February, President Biden signed an executive order establishing the White House Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships, naming Melissa Rogers its executive director. As we explore this relationship between faith communities and public health, we spoke with Rogers to learn more about her role and the priorities of the office. Welcome back to Inspired, Melissa Rogers. It's great to be with you, Amber. And Melissa, this is not your first time in this role. You also served under President Obama. That's right. One thing I noticed is that your role extends to the Domestic Policy Council. Melissa, is this a new development? Well, the work that I did during the Obama-Biden administration also focused on the intersection of faith and public policy. What's new is that there is a part of my title that is given to that function. And I think that that's very helpful because it signals that President Biden, Vice President Harris, and Ambassador Susan Rice really recognize that the intersection of faith and public policy is one issue that needs to be minded, that intersection needs to be minded, because it's so important that we um, attend to the religious liberty and church-state separation guarantees in our Constitution and in other supporting laws. Can you explain the role that racial equity plays in the priorities of the office? What we know is that often faith communities are very skilled at ensuring that people who are underserved or may be the subject of disparities in service, that they get served. And so we wanted to make sure to lift that up as something that we uh, noticed and could work on to improve. Because I think over the last few years, what we've seen uh, very clearly uh, and widely is that there are racial disparities in in health um, outcomes and in uh, all kinds of other areas, whether it's opportunities for education or economic advancement. And so we need to address those disparities. And that is a very unifying issue across faith traditions and people of different beliefs that people believe there ought to be equitable treatment. And we want to make sure that we do work through these partnerships to address racial disparities. Does that translate into prioritizing partnerships with certain denominations? Well, we want to work with everybody who wants to address the racial disparities, and that can include all kinds of you know people, people who are not subject to the disparities themselves, but feel that it's wrong to have the disparities. The question of partnership, I think, is one that many are paying close attention to, especially, and as you well know from all of your work around religious freedom and religious liberty issues, there are a lot of nuances, and it can be complicated for some, and there are strong opinions about the role that government and faith communities should be playing together. So we want to be engaging people of a variety of faiths and beliefs. And so we want to throw the doors open uh, to hear from people, especially people who may have felt shut out or even worse in recent years. So we've been talking with um, all kinds of friends and colleagues, including those from you know various traditions, 
um, including the Muslim uh, organizations that have come and have spoken to us about their concerns, Christian organizations, Jewish organizations, Sikh leaders, uh, leaders of evangelical organizations, leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, you know, just across the board, we have been talking to people and listening to them, even more importantly, to hear about their experiences, what they feel is a priority uh, going forward, both in the policy space and the partnership space, and indicating to them that we want very much to be engaged with them and that we want to try to bring different voices together to work together um, so that we can build up the kind of healthy pluralism that has characterized our country at its best. So there's certainly no room for fear-mongering on the basis of race, ethnicity, and religion, or fear-mongering fear of any kind, America always has to be a place where it's clear that under our Constitution, there are no second-class phase. And so we need to put those principles front and center and reach out to people of all different faiths and beliefs and find ways to work together and to affirm the best of the United States, which is, uh, includes the idea that every person is equal and that every person has great dignity and ought to be treated with respect, and that every American can make a profound contribution to our country, that, and that should always be recognized and valued. What are the top priorities right now animating your work and the direction that your office is taking in terms of bringing people together, in terms of the briefings and the weekly calls? What what are the top priorities that you're focused on? Well, I can mention uh, a couple right now. There are many, but let me just mention right now that we're working very hard on ensuring that people get the facts about COVID-19 and about vaccinations. And we're working in partnership with many different faith-based and community groups on these tasks. And what we know is, for example, just looking at the faith-based organizations, we have houses of worship that are dotted across the country. They're familiar and welcoming places to many Americans. And religious leaders are among the most trusted leaders that, that we have. We also know that faith-based and community organizations often excel at reaching hard-to-reach populations. And religious leaders across the board, we found, are fired up about helping people uh, get the facts about the virus and the vaccine, and they are working increasingly with government to do that. They are making their houses of worship available, for example, as vaccination sites. They are working the phones to set up appointments for people. They are arranging transportation to and from appointments for people who need it. They are helping to dispel fears, for example, by getting, you know, religious leaders and community leaders getting the vaccine first on social media for their congregants or their community members to see, and also making clear that uh, people ought not to be misled by baseless conspiracy theories that can sometimes be out there. So we see that across faiths and beliefs, there is a lot of enthusiasm about working 
with one another and also working with government to help people get vaccinated. How are you finding those networks of faith leaders who went ahead and started doing the work that you're describing without any coordination or, frankly, input from the federal government or state authorities. What are some of the ways that folks are listening right now who happen to be members of those communities? What are ways that that the office is helping to connect and ensure that that information is flowing in two directions? That's a great question, and certainly we want to thank all the leaders, community and faith leaders, who are playing such strong roles and have been for a long time. So one of the things that we're doing is reaching out to people uh, like the uh, Reverend you described to make sure that we are knowledgeable about their efforts to date and that we are saying to them, look, we'd love to work with you if you'd like to work with us. And many times that answer is yes. And so that's a great opportunity. We're also uh, working with state and local officials to make sure that they know that faith and community groups want to work with them. And if they're not already doing that, then we really want to encourage them to reach out to faith and community leaders. Um, They need to know that these leaders bring many strengths to the table and can be very nimble and part of their plan to get people vaccinated. And they also need to know that working with faith-based organizations, for example, is not something that's prohibited by the Constitution. It is something that is permitted by the Constitution. And this is something where they need to be, of course, always mindful about working with people of a variety of faith traditions and people of no faith tradition. They should not fear the idea of church-state separation, which we respect, uh, means in any way that they cannot work with houses of worship and others who want to collaborate on this shared goal of helping people to get vaccinated and helping people to be healthy in their communities. But I want to speak to another um, issue that has been lifted up, which is the relationship between churches, houses of worship, faith-based communities, and government. The data that I was looking at from CBS News really showed that it wasn't older uh, Republicans, but rather uh, Republicans and independents who are 45 and younger. And I'm curious, are you looking at that data, and how is that informing some of the work that you're doing? Well, thank you for um, that question. We are working with you know conservative communities that would define themselves as conservative, certainly, including uh, faith communities that would do so. And we are working with them on the efforts to make sure that the facts get out about the virus and the vaccine. And there's lots of enthusiasm that we have there, too, among our partners, among conservative partners. So, yes, we are focused on making sure that we address all the concerns that are out there and do so with uh, communities that would be very, very persuasive with the audience we're trying to reach. Could you name one or two of those partners we're talking about? Can you give an example or two of organizations, conservative or more moderate-leaning faith-based groups that that you are working with or working in partnership with? 
Well, one of the things I wanted to mention was a, a great article written by Russell Moore mm-hmm. in the Washington Post mm-hmm. uh, that hit this head on. And so that is an example of someone, you know, in an organization with whom we're in dialogue and, um, you know, seeking to find ways to work together. Are there other folks that you see that are up and coming leaders that are following the lead of Dr. Moore? There's certainly more organizations that would define themselves as conservative in one way or another that we're just we're having conversations with and we'll be ready to share more information about that in the coming weeks. Um, And, you know, I think that we're going to take a very strong approach of reaching out to people across the political and ideological spectrum. Melissa Rogers, executive director of the White House Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships. The day after our conversation, Rogers co-hosted an event featuring Dr. Francis Collins, head of the National Institute of Health. Rogers is hoping Dr. Collins can reach a constituency that is increasingly resistant to public health messaging, white evangelical men. Coming up, religious studies professor Julie Ingersoll offers some perspectives on the beliefs shaping and informing that resistance. Stay with us. You're listening to Inspired. Inspired. 